Welcome to New Hope Fellowship Online. I am Elder Tony Acampa, and I'm excited that you are tuning into this message. I pray that it helps you grow in your walk with Christ and encourages you to dive deeper into God's Word. For more information on who we are as a church, I'd like to encourage you to visit nhfchurch.org. If you are interested in partnering with us financially so we can continue to share the gospel message with those around us, visit nhfchurch.org and click on Give. Again, thank you for being here and for listening. I hope you enjoy this message. This is a, when I say a a judgment-free zone, the judging doesn't happen from here. (laughs) And I don't even really like the word judgment. I like the word conviction. I don't like the word guilt. You know, some people say, well, don't try to make me feel guilty about how, how I do this or how I do this. God doesn't make us feel guilty as believers, but he brings us to a place of conviction so that he can discipline us and take us where he wants to go. So as we get started this morning, would you pray with me that we would hear the heart of God in this message, and that any of those other things, you know, the greed and, and judgment and all those, that they would, they would be overcome by just the true love of God's heart this morning as he wants to speak to his people. Father, money makes all of us think of different things at different times and in different ways, God, but you are the giver of every resource that we have. So, Father, I pray that we try to get this right, Lord, and that we just listen to your voice and we just pay attention to what you have shown us in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our primary scripture source, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn, we're going to be teaching primarily out of the eighth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Um, chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians talk about the importance of being good stewards or managers of our resources. And, and I, I do want to say that when, when you approach the subject of generosity, it's not just always obviously about money. It is about time. It's about how we give ourselves to other people. Make those Make those inferences, those generalizations into the teaching this morning. I am going to focus primarily on our financial resources, but how we, how we worship has so much more than just how we write a check and what we do with our money. It has to do with our entire life. Again, it has to do primarily with our heart. So here is the situation at hand. <clears throat> Paul is involved in collecting money. We're in, in, the, in the second chapter, I'm sorry, in the eighth chapter of 2 Corinthians. He's involved in collecting money for the needy Christians in Jerusalem, okay? And this collection has been going on for at least a year, but it's been interrupted in Corinth by the confusion and the conflict among Christians there. Christians in the church have worked out their differences, and now Paul calls on them to finish what they had started. To resume and complete this collection would deepen their Christian life, and it would also expand their horizons. It would help to bind Gentile and Jewish Christians together in a bond of fellowship. That's what's going on in Corinth when Paul is writing this. Perhaps over everything else, the Corinthians needed to learn about the blessings 
that come from giving. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that most of what you're going to hear this morning, if you've been in church for a while, maybe you've heard it before. But I'm going to ask you to allow God to share it in a way that is new this morning. Okay? We, we, we hear some things over and over and over again, and sometimes we just need to hear it through a different lens by opening up our hearts and allowing God to speak to us. <clears throat> so here we are in, 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 in Corinth. And so Paul, to accomplish these things with the Corinthians, he tells them the story of other Christians in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia was a very depressed area. These Christians were poor. In fact, they were very poor, as poor as the Christians in Jerusalem for who these offerings are being taken up. Okay, so you have a group of poor people taking up an offering for another group of poor people. And yet when Paul announces the need of the suffering Christians in Jerusalem, the Macedonians responded in an unbelievably generous way. The way they responded, Paul said, is the guide for the living and giving of all Christians. Paul's instructions to the Corinthians here in Corinth can be seen as a guide for the overflow of giving and rich generosity. Now, historically, we may have been exposed to two different perspectives on financial prosperity um, and, and, and the Christian life, both, both which are inaccurate from a scriptural standpoint. The first would teach that because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which we read about in 1 Timothy, the more money you have, the less righteous you can be. Okay, the second teaches that God wants all Christians to be prosperous and wealthy. And if they aren't prosperous, it's because they don't have enough faith. Okay, both of these teachings are incorrect. All right, a more accurate biblical perspective is that God in his sovereignty gives some people more and others less. Some have more to steward, some have less to steward, but they're all to be stewarded on his behalf. How and why he does this is his business. It's not ours. And what this tells us is that mature believers may be rich or they may be poor. We read about that in, in the Proverbs. So this morning as we walk through this, I want us to start at this place. I want us first to really think about assessing our own current generosity situation or our temperature for generosity. I'd encourage all of us to assess this, to think about this in our own lives, to get a clear picture on how we are doing and to be honest with ourselves. You know, sometimes we want to make something, we want to make a change in our life, but we have to confront a reality that is, the, is, is true in order to do something different. Asking ourselves to take stock of how we are supporting the work of the Lord in our giving can set a realistic understanding for us of how we are trusting God and where maybe we are not trusting God enough. I think that all of us, if we were asked the question, would we like to be more generous? I think all of us would probably say, I'd love to be more generous if we could figure out a way to make that happen. Most of us would say, Pastor Greg, that's an easy answer. 
I could do it if I just had more money, right? <laughs> if I had more money, I could be more generous. And so I'm going to suggest to you again that this is probably not true because believe it or not, I do not believe that primarily our giving is a financial decision. What? Okay, let's look at what the word says about this. First of all, many of us know that we're told to give willingly, to give cheerfully, right? Paul testifies that the Christians in Macedonia were economically depressed, but they gave out of their deep poverty. In 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3, it says this, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. To experience an overflow of rich generosity, we need to give voluntarily and not with threats or pressure. Paul emphasized the importance of giving voluntarily in, in chapter 9, verse 7, where he says, you must each make up your own minds as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Now, greed keeps us from giving cheerfully, doesn't it? It keeps us from giving cheerfully to the work of the Lord, to, to, to worthy charities maybe that need our support. Uh, the Lord promises in Philippians that he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But greed sometimes pushes us to focus on our wants versus having our needs satisfied. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that it is in our wants versus our needs that our generosity gets squeezed. In assessing generosity capacity, we must look at our wants to determine how our wants keep us from being generous to others and to the Lord. But remember, it is something we have to keep in mind. It's something that we need to be doing willingly and cheerfully. In America... <laughs> which I believe is the greatest country on the face of the earth, we have such a consumer mentality that I believe that we are tempted daily for sure and sometimes hourly by greed. We're tempted by it. It's a particular temptation of people who have access to prosperity. As many of you know, um, I just returned, my wife and I, Terry, just returned from a, a, a trip to Hawaii where we were able to spend Christmas with our eight grandchildren, no, and our kids. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the traditions that I started a few years ago was that one of my, when one of my grandkids lost his first tooth or her first tooth, give him 20 bucks, okay? Now, if, you, for, if those of you from my generation, you remember getting like a dime <laughs> or, or a quarter. I usually got mine after breakfast. I would check before breakfast. I would tell my parents that I didn't get anything. They'd remember, and while I'm eating breakfast, they'd stick one under the pillow, right? So, but I started this tradition, first tooth. After that, all bets are off, but first tooth, 20 bucks. This trip to Hawaii cost me 40 bucks, okay, in that regard. Eden and Shepherd both lost their first tooth. But to that end, a father reported seeing his daughter with a string, 
See this mental picture, a string around her tooth with the end tied to the doorknob. And he said, let me examine that tooth. And he examined that tooth. He said, your tooth's not even loose. And his daughter said, leave me alone, dad. I need the money. Okay. (laughs) And I was also reading about how greed didn't turn out so well for a thief. You'll appreciate this. There was a woman named Hollis Sharp. She lived in Southern California, and she took her miniature poodle out for a walk every evening. And she would take her, this is one of the phenomenons of our culture, I don't understand. She would take that plastic bag with her, right? You guys see people walking with their plastic bags so that when the dog would do his business, she could clean it up. So they were out for a walk one evening, and she took care of her dog. And during their walk that night, after the dog had finished doing his duties, she was returning home when a mugger, jumped out from behind some bushes, attacked her, shoved her to the ground, grabbed her plastic bag, (laughs) and and ran away with the spoils of his crime. And although Mrs. Sharp sustained a broken arm, she still maintained a sense of humor. She told the police, I only wish there would have been more for him in that bag. (laughs) Right? Jesus said, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. You might ask why. Jesus answers why in the rest of that verse in Luke 12. He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Having a spirit of generosity is a safeguard against greed. Greed makes you captive to envy. A greedy person is never satisfied, right? There is nothing wrong with making more money. There is nothing wrong with wanting to, to, to acquire a nice, uh, uh, you know, a, a amount of resource. But, but the question is, why? Why? When you get a raise in, at work, is part of your excitement because now you can give more to the Lord and you can help more people? That's, that's how God wants us, us to, to, to behave in regards to how he is blessing us so that we can bless others as being a conduit. Because when we're truly motivated by greed, and I think all of us know this and we see this around us, it can never be satisfied. It is never enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10 tells us whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever has wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Now, many of you know Larry Burkett. He's a Christian financial advisor, and he often asks people he counsels what they think the solution is to their financial problems. What do you think they say? More money. I'm making 35,000 a year. All I need is 10,000 more. I'll be okay. I'm making 50,000 a year. All I need is 20,000 more. I'll be okay. I'm making 100,000 a year. All I need is 25,000 more, and I'll be okay. Greed results always. Greed always results in undisciplined spending. Now, he also said that 95% of the couples he counseled were in financial trouble because of the overspending of one of the spouses. Anybody want to take a guess which one? (laughs) Got a lot of fingers going here. Okay. How many of you think it's because of the women's or the wife's overspending? Okay, we got it. We got a few. <laughs> Couple of those hands up went up with conviction too. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you say it's the man's overspending? 
Can I get an amen? Yeah. 95% of those counseled concerning their financial trouble said it is because of the husband's overspending. I've never understood how a woman can spend six hours shopping, spend $10 and come out with one bag. A man can spend three minutes shopping and he'll buy, he'll buy a boat, right? <laughs> right? Women tend to splurge on things sometimes like food or clothes, but, but men, cars, boats, big items. Okay, this plays to our greed. The Apostle Paul reported that the Christians in Macedonia gave liberally and from generous hearts. It says, he said, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Let's stop there for a second. Heart check real quick. When was the last time you gave more than you could afford? Okay, don't answer, don't call it out. Just heart check. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift for the Christians in Jerusalem. Wonder how many of us wake up early on Sunday morning and say in our hearts, I'm up early because I can't wait to go to church and give my offering to help meet the needs of the world and people around us. <clears throat> we overflow enrich generosity by giving voluntarily, by giving willingly to the work of the Lord. We also learn that we are to give as God has blessed us. Give as God has blessed us. The scripture teaches that we are to so budget so our, uh, in our spending that we give as the Lord has blessed. Now, I'll tell you what. I've talked with a lot of couples about this. If you do your budget and you figure out what's left and that's what's going to God, there's nothing left or there's very little left because we look at that a little bit backwards. Um, I could chase so many rabbits right now. When Terry and I first got married, one of the decisions that we made early in our marriage was... We're never going to carry a, a balance on a credit card, and we were going to always be faithful in our tithing. And I think we were making $12,000 a year <laughs> when we got married back in 1984, and we tithed. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't any easier or harder on that salary than it is on what we make now. Not any easier or harder, because it was not a financial decision. It was a decision... Of, of obedience. I say that not to say, oh, look, you want, no, none of, I'm just saying that because I could, I could tell you many, many people that could give the exact same testimony. Many in here today could give that testimony that as we have been faithful in our tithe, God has continued to bless us. Now, people around me, people around you may say, well, you can afford to do that. Look how God has blessed you. Why has God blessed me? Why has God blessed us? It is one of those things, and I don't understand all of it. I'm not, I said from the very beginning, I'm not a, a purveyor of the prosperity gospel, you know, so this, I see the stuff on TV, it makes me want to puke because it's manipulative. That's not what it is. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? If what's in our heart is a continued movement to be faithful and obedient in our giving, I believe God would continue and will continue 
to bless us. Why are there Christians that live in poverty in other places in this world? I don't know. I'm not going to give you an answer for that, but I do know that God cares for them and God provides for them. And in their poverty, they have the opportunity to, to give. You'll remember the widow with the two, with the, you know, with the two cents, the two mites, and how that was raised as the standard of generosity. It's not about the amount. It's about the generous heart that's willing to be obedient. And the Christians in Macedonia, they gave sacrificially as God blessed them. In 8.12, it says, if you are eager to give, it isn't important how much you are able to give. God wants you to give what you have, not what you don't have. Now, this is, I think, a good lesson in financial stewardship. Many people, and I, I, I really feel for young people in our culture right now because of the consumerism that they can easily get caught up with. I've counseled, I have counseled couples in marriage <laughs> I counseled a couple not too many years ago where we started to look at their finances and they were carrying $170,000 of student loan debt into their marriage. They were in their 30s. <laughs> they were in their 30s and they still had that level of debt. Do you know why they had that level of debt? Because they didn't pay it and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, part of the challenge that we have within the body of Christ, if we speak openly and honestly, is we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that truly can't afford to give. And the reason they can't afford to give is because the, the lifestyle that they have assumed, because when I got out of college, I wanted to have my mom and dad's lifestyle today, so I should be able to have this and this. They max out credit cards. They have now set a foundation where giving is going to be difficult. In our church, we support and we promote financial peace. I know Kevin and Kendra and Greg and Shelley teach that class. I would encourage anyone that has any challenges with finances to figure out how to participate in that because that'll help us understand how God can use our discipline. There's a level of discipline that's required in order for us to be able to be generous and to not get so caught up that we can't pay our bills. If you can't pay your bills, how are you going to give to the work of God? But if you haven't learned how to give to the work of God first, that's probably one of the reasons that maybe we can't pay our bills because we have looked around. We've seen the lie that our culture tells us around what we need, not just what we, I'm sorry, what we want, not just what we need, and we tend to buy into it. And Jesus teaches us, and Paul teaches us in, in 2 Corinthians that we're to give as God blesses us. Jesus was in the temple. He's watching the congregation as the people gave their offering. Many rich people put in large amounts of money. Then this poor widow came and dropped in two pennies, or the equivalent. Jesus reported what he saw to his disciples. He said, I assure you, this poor widow has given more than all others have given. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, gave everything that she had to live on. The Bible shows us the example of how God takes just a little bit and he can make a whole lot out of it, right? Because he's not impressed. He's not, I, th I think there are times when, um, when, when we are generous 
and, and we go above and beyond, that we actually bring a smile to the Lord. But he's not impressed by the amount of money. <laughs> he's not like, wow, you're, you really have a lot of money. God's the owner, and the, he, he has it all. The earth is, everything in the earth is, is the Lord's, right? The fullness of the earth is, is the Lord's. But God's interested in what's going on in here. And that's why when Jesus saw that, he called that out. What could they do with those two pennies? I mean, what, what could man do with those two pennies? Very little. What could God do with it? What did he do with a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread? That's the God that we serve. We will see blessing in our life. And I'm not talking about just financial blessing. We will see blessing in our life when we give generously, sometimes when it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we know that God will take it and he'll expand it. Malachi 3.10, if you've sat in any, especially if any of you are from a Baptist background, which I am, if you've ever sat through a sermon on, on giving, it, it, Malachi 3.10 is always there, right? And it's, a great, and it's a great verse. Don't get me wrong. It's a great verse. It says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Hmm. Have any of you ever taken that challenge? Jesus taught that the tithe is the beginning. That's the beginning point, all right? This is what he taught, and that we should give as God blesses. When we tithe, we are saying, all that we have belongs to God. I take this first 10%, and I, and I, I set it aside for the work of the Lord. Now, when we move into the New Testament, what we see is that God changes that. See, that was something that was a financial transaction in the Old Testament. This is what's almost like your tax. This is, what, this is what you owe, all right? God is trying to help us understand that generosity is so much more than that, all right? Now, the people of God need to hear two things. We can't pretend like those verses don't exist, okay? We can't pretend like they don't exist and just say it doesn't matter now, you know, now all that matters is this, this, and this. No, they do matter because this is what God's standard was in the Old Testament. And, and Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. But we have to also weigh that against this aspect of grace, right? And generosity and feeling like God doesn't want your 10% if it's coming from a grudging heart where he's trying to pry it out of your hands, and, and, and we, when we talk about money sometimes, we act like getting to that 10% is the standard. That's like if we're all there, it's all good. No, each one of us is different. We need to wrestle with the Lord in our giving. You know, now, and, and I, almost, I almost don't want to say this, but I'm going to say this in terms of just to share testimony. In our family, we are in a situation where we give a whole lot more than 10%, Okay. Please, please do not misread that of, well, yeah, because you can do it. No, listen, God has been faithful. We want to be faithful in our family giving. Each one of us in our hearts with the Lord need to wrestle with this so that we are at a place where we know 
that if we can't get there today, we're going to get there somehow, some way. We're going to move. And what that looks like may be different for every single one of us. But God is interested in what is in here. I have not had experiences where I have <clears throat> talked with people who have been faithful in tithing where God has not always met their needs. I'm just going to say that. Okay? Everybody that I know that has been faithful in their tithe, God meets their needs. Amen? Some of you can testify to that, right? And, and, and some of you started tithing when you couldn't afford it, right? And, 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 you, and Malachi, the Malachi passage, God proved himself faithful. Okay, I, I, I feel like I'm like on that line of people feeling like there's, <laughs> there's judgment or there's, it's, it's not about that. I'm, I shared our situation because I'm sharing the faithfulness of God. I praise God for that, that we're able to do that. You know, but that doesn't give me a pass that because we're where we are, we're, we're done. No, we have to ask the Lord on a, on, a, on a continuous basis, God, how would you have us to utilize the resources that you have given us? As you have blessed us, I get excited about more money because we get to give more of it away. I really do. That's what, that's what kind of jazzes me. You know, and yes, we still, like all of you, we struggle. What's a, what's a want and what's a need? You know, and just because you can afford a want or a, a want doesn't necessarily mean you should get it. We got to deal with that. That's a whole that's a whole other aspect of this. But as God blesses us, we need to return that blessing to others. And we do that first by giving ourselves to him. It all starts, it, all of this starts by giving ourselves to the Lord. The Apostle Paul gives the commentary uh, as why the churches in Macedonia overflowed. Why did they overflow in rich ge generosity? It says, best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever direction God might give them. When we become followers of Jesus <clears throat> and then we begin to give our, our, our offerings to him, it is an act of love for him. All we have belongs to the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That all that we have really, but not, you, you've heard this, you know this, not, it ain't going with you, right? We're not taking it anywhere with us. And when we give to the work of the Lord, we're helping to demonstrate what the priorities of our life are. Our giving backs up our belief that this earth is just our temporary home. Are we living like it's temporary? Or are we living like we're just going to store it up and have everything that we can? You know, you, you go back and there's, there's examples of people that have won the lottery that are flat broke, right? You came into a good amount of money and within years or months, they had nothing. And, and, and a lot of that is because I think greed takes over. Some of us, I have, uh, I have uh, uh, folks that I know, you remember the real estate boom? There was a real estate boom, 2008 came, everything crashed. Some of you might have been, been a part of that. During the boom, if you adopt the lifestyle that the boom's always gonna be there, when the crash comes, you may not, you may not have been prepared for it, right? And that's why we need to learn to live within what God requires us each day in terms of our needs. 
and not an expectation that our lifestyle needs to get bigger and bigger and bigger because our income gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's helpful to start by practicing stewardship. If we can't afford to give a tenth of our first $100, we won't be able to give a tenth of, of you fill in that blank. Now, um, I'm going to move on here because time's getting away a little bit. Um, I wanted to share this story. This is, uh, this is an interesting story. Back in 1987, this is a true story. There was a commuter plane flight uh, from Portland, Maine to Boston. The pilot, Henry Dempsey, he heard an unusual noise near the rear of the plane. So he turned the controls of the plane over to his co-pilot, and he went back to check it out. And as he reached the tail section of the plane, the plane hit an air pocket, and he was tossed against the rear door. He soon discovered that the original noise was caused because the rear door had been improperly latched prior to takeoff. So his impact when he, when he, when he like was knocked against this door actually caused the door to open, and Dempsey was instantly sucked out of the tiny plane. Okay. The co-pilot saw the red light, which indicates that the door was open. <clears throat> he immediately radioed the nearest airport, requesting permission for an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and wanted a helicopter to search the area. After the plane landed, the ground crew found Dempsey holding on to the outside ladder of the aircraft. Okay. Somehow, he had caught the ladder... And he held on it for 10 minutes as the plane flew at 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. He's holding on to this. You can see it. It's like an action you know, movie that's never real, but this one was. And then when they landed, he kept his head from hitting the runway, which was only 12 inches away. All right. And according to news reports, you get this mental picture, it took airport personnel several minutes to pry his fingers <laughs> off the ladder, all right? And I know some people who have held on to certain things in this world with the same white-knuckle intensity. And my question to you this morning is, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? And I would suggest that you should hold on loosely to the things of this world. You might have money and influence, and that's okay, it's fine provided that you find the value and significance in Christ and not in things of this world and that we're generous with what we have. Wealth and possessions can steal our heart if we're not careful. In closing, I want to just say this. The last thing that we need to do this morning in terms of thinking about our giving is we need to give our financial future to the Lord. We need to dedicate our financial future to the Lord in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have what you need and plenty, to leave, uh, plenty left over to share with others. There's nothing magical about tithing and giving to the Lord's work. If you tithe, there's no guarantee that you're going to be, you know, prosper financially, but God does promise to bless you. He does promise to bless you spiritually, and God wants us to use wisdom in our money management as well. The Lord gives us the choice to say no to overspending on our wants and focus on our needs. There's nothing wrong with looking for ways to be creative and add to your income by paying off credit cards and have extra money 
for not having to pay interest. Right, Greg? Right, Kevin, Kendra? You guys need to get in that class if you haven't taken it. Learn to be selective also in who comes knocking on your door. All right, that's the other piece here. It had been a long, hard winter in the Rocky Mountains. The snow was piling deeper and deeper. The temperature dropped below zero, and it stayed there. The rivers froze, and the people were suffering. The Red Cross used helicopters to fly in supplies. After a long, hard day, as they were returning to their base, the rescue team and a helicopter saw a cabin nearly submerged in the snow. A thin whist of smoke came from the chimney. The men figured those people in that cabin were probably critically short of food, fuel, and medicine. Because of the trees, they had to sit down about a mile from the cabin. They put on heavy equipment on their backs, trudged through the waist-deep snow, reached the cabin exhausted, panting and perspiring, knocked on the door, and a thin man, woman, I'm sorry, a thin woman, finally answered the door. The man said, ma'am, we're from the Red Cross. She was silent for a moment, and she said, it's been a hard, long winter, Sonny. I just don't think we can give you anything this year. <laughs> Listen, God's word promises us that we are to honor Jesus in our life. And when we do, he will guide and provide for us in different ways. In our giving, you all have probably experienced the same thing that I have at times. Where there's, there's somebody asking for something, and you just don't know if it's good stewardship to help meet that need, Right? There's not an easy answer to that question. I've encountered people on the street, <clears throat> as I'm sure you have, asking for us to help. I never know for sure, should I or shouldn't I? When I can, I do, right? You don't know sometimes if you're helping to fuel an addiction, but sometimes God, or guys, we recognize it's not my money anyway. God's got to figure this out. And right now, he's just asking me to consider, and in that second, I can make a quick prayer and say, God, is this something worthy? Is this something that's going to honor you and bless you? So guys, we're to give willingly. We're to give cheerfully. We're to give because God blesses us and what he has given to us. We're to give because first and foremost, we have given ourselves to him. But also, we're to give in a way that brings honor and glory to him and allows his heart. See, we, it's a privilege for us to give. So guys, as we close this, I wanna just encourage you. I don't know if you heard something new today. I don't know if this is something that you've heard, heard before. I don't know where you are, and it's not important for me to know you are, where you are in your giving. What's important is where you are with your relationship with God and where your heart is on this subject. And I would just pray that God would allow all of us this morning to ask him clearly how we can have a heart of generosity and honor him as he has so richly blessed us. Let us pray. Father, you are the God of all creation and you're the God of all prosperity. And you see uh, in this world those that suffer because they don't have enough. You see those that prosper and sometimes get more than they ever deserve. And sometimes it happens in ways that are not honoring and glorifying to you. Father, this is part of the fallen world that we live in. But God, we also recognize that in this world, we have one that we can count on regardless of what situations we find ourselves in. We have one 
who has given everything for us, Lord, and that is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, in your uh, rich abundance, you gave sacrificially to us through Jesus. And God, I pray that you just help us as we love you, Lord, to understand what your will is in our lives in regards to our generosity. Father, help us not be, um, help us not be, uh, to be motivated by, by guilt, by, by fear, by any false uh, conviction, Lord, but help us to be motivated by love. And Lord, we offer our financial futures to you, God, and we pray that in our blessing, Lord, that you would just show us how we can be used to bless others. In Jesus' name.